0: Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm Jeff, one of the pastors. It's good to be together today. I, you know, I, you may not know where I'm I'm preaching to a, a gallery view, so I see you guys. So I'm gonna ask my friends in the tech crew to come from time to time and change the screen so I can see all you guys. In fact, if you don't have your camera on because you're like, yeah, I'm in my jammies, like that's cool, um, but I wanna see the jammies. So uh, I'd love to have the, we, you know, we we think it's great if you sometimes have the camera on. We think it's great if you don't have the camera on too. If you just need to join us and uh, and limp in, that's awesome too. But good morning. Good to see everybody's faces. And we're in 1 Peter, we're in the summer in the scriptures. We're going through the the whole book this summer. And so like this week we had like 10 verses. So it was really easy to read them all. I hope you read them every day. I hope you memorized one of the verses. I hope that you just sort of engaged with the text and jumped from that text over to other texts and asked good questions and wrote things down and said, uh, you know, yeah, like I got to figure out what that's all about. Oh, by the way, because I see the gallery view, I see your, your, uh, your messages. So well done, Landy's, that you're in your jammies. I saw that. Okay. Um, so I hope you're jumping into 1 Peter and digging in with us. We're not going to preach on everything in the text because it is 10 verses and that's a lot and it's chock full of things, but we're going to focus on, uh, on just a couple of verses today. We're going to focus on uh, who we are Uh, as the people of God, but before we get there, you know, this, this text, if you remember, and I'll, and I'll look at it in a minute, but this, if you remember this text sort of launched us talking about Jesus as the cornerstone launched us talking about this stone, this anchor, this foundation that Jesus is and how we like him are likewise being built into a spiritual house, brick by brick. It's an interesting metaphor that we're being built into a spiritual house, brick by brick. When I was, um, 16, the summer of uh, 1978, my dad was building a house up in the Napa Valley, and I worked on the crew that built the house. And I may have told you this, some of this, these stories before. It was great because it was my first sort of like, you know, manual labor, all day, hot summer kind of deal. But once the trenches got built for the foundation of the house, I was on the, the crew that carried the foundation stones that carried those cinder blocks uh, up this odd sort of uh, trail that we had to where the, the house was being built up off the road. And, uh, and, and also carried wheelbarrows full of the, of the cement that would go inside. But I watched that house get built Brick by brick is how we built that foundation. What was so surprising to me about that experience was I wanted to go build a house. I wanted to swing a hammer. I wanted to wear one of those cool belts that had the tools all around it. I, I, that's what I wanted to do, but I, only ha- I could only work because of some other ministry commitments that I had in my, in my high school ministry. I could only work the middle six weeks of the summer. In the six weeks that I worked on it, all we did was build the foundation, that's what we did. And I carried it brick by brick, block by block. I was the guy, uh, this, big, this big German man named Conrad has ordered me around and I carried those bricks the entire summer. Likewise, the scriptures talk about us being, a, being built up into a spiritual house. Each of us brick by brick laid on the foundation that is what? And who do you know? Say it out loud in your living room. It's Christ. He's the cornerstone. He's the, the, the bedrock. And then we're built on that. If you look at the text that we had, 2 Peter chapter 2, I did, verses 4 through 10. And I'm going to look at 9 and 10 in a little bit for the rest of my sermon. But if you just look at the beginning of my text, the, um, verse 4, it talks about us coming to Jesus. Verse 4, everybody look at it if you've got it. I hope you, you can print out the PDF, by the way, in, uh, leading into our sermon time. So you've got a hard copy or you can pull out your Bibles. It says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we're going to parse some of that similar language in verse nine and 10 in just a minute. But it's that idea that we are this, this text uses this metaphor that Jesus is this foundation, the cornerstone. And we brick by brick are being built up into something significant. We're something we're, uh, uh, we're being built into a house that is spiritual. We're being built into a place, a, a, an entity that's spiritual. And I wanted us to, you know, it goes on by the way to, to then say, and this Jesus—it's all about Jesus. It's all about built on him being the cornerstone, and and that metaphor. You can go study the rest of those passages and think about it. If you've got a study Bible, you'll see really cool pictures of like 69 foot by 12 feet by 13 feet foot cornerstones on the temple in Jerusalem. Like, come on now, that's cool. Do you have a Bible that has pictures like that in it? I'll give you one if you want it, and and. You know, all of that centers like what the rest of the house is going to be, what the temple, what the grand temple was going to be about. And that's Jesus. And we're built on that. And the text goes on to say, and listen, some people don't get that. They're going to stumble over that stumbling stone. The Messiah being a rock or the stone or the foundation is all over the scriptures. And you see scriptures quoted in this text. Oh, I hope you're studying it on your own during the week. But then it gets down to to say, but you, this thing's all about Jesus, and some people are going to stumble over that, but you, you who have already come to him, Peter's saying, Let me tell you what you're all about. Let me tell you what you are all about as God's people who are being built into a spiritual house. And I want to talk about that spiritual house for the rest of my time this morning, because it matters who we are. It matters that we understand who we are as a church, as a spiritual house, so that we can live fully into our calling as God's people. So this is who we are. This is what we are as a church. As we come to him, as we've engaged with Jesus, we're being transformed into this living being this house. And there's four things that it says in verse nine. Look with me at verse nine. In fact, read it out loud, ball by yourself in your, on your sofa. Read this verse with me. Verse nine in the NIV says, but you, other people stumble over it, right? But you, verse nine, are a, four things, ready? A chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You were not a people and now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These four things that the scripture talks about. We wanna look at it. First, this is what you are. Jesus is a cornerstone. People stumble over that, but not you. You've come to him. So now this is who you are as a church. Here we are. Number one, what's number one? Number one is, a chosen people, great. The five people in the room said it with me. I hope you did it at home. A chosen people. The emphasis here is about those who have responded to God's initiative. Those are, that the, the we're a chosen people Because God has himself chosen us and we're responsive to God. Now this is super important theologically. You may go, gosh, we have a lot of this language, especially at MCC. We're all about this devotional connection to Jesus. We're all about our own relationship with Jesus. We get, he loves us. But listen, don't miss this truth. That This is really important theologically that God chose you and and you have responded to God. And when he says, listen, this is who you are. If Jesus is the cornerstone, this is who you are. You're being built up into this house. You're a chosen people. It's because he wants you to understand. He wants all of us to understand that this whole community is based on God's initiative. It's based on God coming after us. This idea of chosen is an Old Testament concept. And it's a New Testament concept as well, but it's rooted in the Old Testament And it's rooted in passages where where the Old Testament writers through the Holy Spirit were just embedding, embedding, embedding the identity of the Israelites in their minds. Like, who are you? And we, of course, have been grafted into that tree, that we're God's people as well. But there's these passages that talk over and over and over again, using words like this about who they are to Yahweh, to God, the one God, the creator God. Let me read one of them. I didn't put it up on the screen for you, but it's from Deuteronomy 7:6. You can write that down or then maybe you can put that in the chat Deuteronomy 7:6. It says this, "For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has, listen, chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession." That's Deuteronomy 7:6. Now you hear God's initiative in that. God's initiative from the beginning has been, I'm going to choose for myself a people to be my people. And so this first thing about who are we? We're a chosen people. We're chosen by God. We're picked by God. Now think about it. Why is that important to you and to your heart? Because it's rooted in God's love and delight in who you are. That God is the creator of the universe, the creator of humankind did not need to reach into our time and into our space and into our hearts and into our DNA and into our consciousness and say, I want you and I want a relationship with you because I love you and I love who you are and I love who you can be. And I'm delighted in that. And I want to engage with that. That's just such a mind blower. It was a mind blower then. In ancient religions, it's a mind blower now for our whole world to recognize that this is a God who picks us and wants to be in relationship with us. Ephesians 1, you can look this up later. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, it says, it talks about this choosing before even creation. In fact, it says before, what has it start? It goes, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be his people, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, in love, you hear it? He predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters. From the beginning of time. I think you've heard me say this many times. From before time began, God has had your picture on his refrigerator. He's had you in mind. He knew when you were going to show up on this earth. And he wanted to engage in a relationship with you. And he reached into your experience in your life to go, now come be with me, come walk with me. He chose you. And we together are a collective body, a living building, a living entity of chosen people. Is that beautiful? I mean, what, is, what response does that elicit out of us? Listen, I like the way it tweaks us because it brings us this humility to say, God came after me with all of his love and, and all of his sovereignty and all of his power and all of his wooing. God came after me. And so I just respond. So often we feel like we're people who ended up choosing God and he's kind of lucky to have us like, and so I'll sort of enter into this relationship, you know, to give him a little bit of a, you know, like, oh, okay. You know, I'm picking you God. And we talk about how we become Christians, man. The scriptures actually are clear. It says, he goes, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you to go and bear fruit. I've picked you. I've known you. I've seen you and I'm coming after you. So I love the humility about that, that it kind of puts us in this place of that we're the responders and that God's the one who relentlessly pursues us. And listen, church, for our mission, God's relentlessly pursuing the whole world. He's patient with everyone. He doesn't want anybody to perish without knowing him. He's coming after them. He constantly is wooing through creation, through showing up in people's lives, through meeting them in their hearts. He is moving in circumstances. He He is looking to be in relationship with these people. And so we're just the responders. It changes how we live. If we know, hey, who are we? We're a chosen people. I'll just say one more thing about that. If you know that you haven't quite come into this relationship with Jesus, you might as well surrender today because he is going to be relentless toward you. He loves you. He sees you. He knows you. He has your future in mind and he's coming after your heart. And you can respond by releasing control of your life to him, to Jesus, our Lord, and receiving all of his forgiveness and his grace and beginning a walk with God in fact, I'm just aware that, you know, that's a marker in everyone's life. If you haven't done that. And even just now, when I said it, you were like, ah, I think I'm kind of ready for that. And I want you to reach out to one of us. Okay. If you're a woman who's reached out to Pastor Courtney or Pastor Danny, if you're a man, reach out to me or Ben and we'll just, you know, man, we'll talk about it. We're a chosen people. That's who we are, but that's who we are. Some people stumble over Jesus, the cornerstone. Oh, not us. We're a chosen people. Second thing. What does it say? What's the second thing? You got it right there in front of you in the text. Not only are we are chosen people, but we are a royal priesthood. Wow, this is an odd one, a royal priesthood. You're like, what's a royal priesthood? It comes from God's words to Israel in, listen to this, in the desert at the beginning of their journey out of slavery in Egypt, as they crossed over into the promised land, it comes from a text there. It's Exodus 19, one through six. If you guys want to chat that up so that they have that Exodus 19, one through six, I'll read it to you again. It's something you can look up later, Um, but listen to the text. Exodus 19, one through six, this is on the first day. It says of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, So this is right at the beginning of their 40 years of wandering. They are right there at the, in the beginning of the desert. They came to the desert of Sinai and they set out from Rephidim and they entered the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Verse three of Exodus 19. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. So there's a point. This is God's first messages out of the uh, slavery in Egypt and into toward the promised land. He goes, this is what I want you to tell the people. You yourselves have seen what I have did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. By the way, do you see the initiative there? God's like, you've seen what I've done in your life, right? You see how I came after you and rescued you. Come on. Somebody got an amen about your story that you can go. I've seen how God has come after me and carried me on, on eagle's wings. I need, a, I need an amen in the chat right now. I can see it. I can see the chat. I want to see it pop up. I, and I brought you to myself. Oh, that intimacy. Verse five. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine. Listen, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Thank you, Junior, for that. Amen. You will be for me, it says, a, a kingdom of priests. Now, wait a minute. I can already see you probably, I'm losing you right now because you're like, gosh, there's a lot of words and it's so spiritual and my couch is so comfy. I know, listen, this is God's first words to Israel out of slavery into Egypt as he was gonna make a people for himself into the promised land. He goes, I am going to be out of all the people on the earth. I'm gonna make you a nation of uh, a kingdom of priests, What does that mean? Well, think about it. Back then there was a priestly caste that was called and they were the only ones who could connect to God. They were the only ones that could come into God's presence because sin just covered God's people. And so they were not worthy to come into the presence of God, but the priestly caste could come and offer sacrifices on behalf of all the people and get near God. And the high priest, maybe once a year could come into the Holy of Holies and get that much nearer to God, into God's very presence. But listen, they were all outside of that because of their brokenness and because of their sin. Now listen to God's purpose. He goes, but you, this is what you are. You're a kingdom of priests, meaning... Everybody in the kingdom, everybody under the king is a priest. Everybody has access to the presence of God. Come on now. I got to drop my Bible. Everybody in the kingdom has free access to God. Is that sweet? That's who you are. That's who we are as a church. We're a chosen people and we have access to God. Now, one of the thing about what priests do, not only do they have access to God, but they bring other people into the presence of God. And that's what we do in our world because sin still covers those who don't know Christ and they're separated from him. And so on their behalf, we minister before the King, we intercede on their behalf and we bring them into God's presence and usher them into the forgiveness that he offers. That's who we are as a church. This is not a small thing. Church isn't signing up for Zoom. Church isn't showing up on a Sunday or every third Sunday or every 10th Sunday. Church is about being a chosen people and a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood. And we're only halfway there. You ready? You still with me? Wave at me if you're still with me because I can see you on the screen. All right, thanks. You're still good. All right, here we go. But are you living as a priest? Are you living as a priest? Are Are you leaning into that very presence of God? That's what we get to do. All right. Chosen people, a royal priesthood, A holy nation, a holy nation. That's the third one. Do you see it? A holy nation. Holy means set apart for his special purposes. Set apart for his special purposes. Linda and I were able to go, we got invited to speak to a group of missionaries at a annual conference that they had in Indonesia. And so we got to go um, a little bit early to take some, we just did, we're like, we're going to Indonesia, let's take some vacation. So we, 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 we were able to go to this hotel that had a, we stumbled on this weird deal. They opened up a special section of their hotel. These little bungalows, kind of a five-star dealy. And they just gave us for the, you know, a regular room rate. They gave us this like five-star experience. So we show up and we're like, this is incredible. Well, one of the things that happens when we showed up, they checked us in and they said, okay, well, this is Samir. And Samir is your butler. And I'm like, your butler. That's a funny, that's, a, that's something's lost in translation. We got a butler. That's kind of cool. So we get this butler. And so he takes us to our room and it's this cool little, little bungalow. And, and, uh, and so, but what we found out was he said, okay, well, whatever you need, you just ask me, you just call me and, and here's the phone. And there was a phone in our room and it was just like a, like a bat phone, you know, it was just like a, there was no numbers on it or whatever. And so you just, so you just pick up the phone and, and you would hear this, hello, Mr. Jeff. And I'd be like, well, and it was Samir. And he would say, what can I do for you? This is how the experience went. And so we had like three days in this hotel. And every time I picked up the phone, Samir was right there. And he would say, what can I bring you? And then he started to learn what we like. So I was like, do you guys have Diet Coke in Indonesia? Like, is that a thing? Like, you know, so, and so then by the second day, Diet Coke was just showing up because Samir knew I wanted Diet Coke. Whenever we walked out of our room, this is kind of weird and creepy, they had like video cameras apparently, because as soon as we walked out of our room, we'd be like 10 feet down the path out of our bungalow and Samir would come flying up in a a golf cart. And he'd be like, I'd like to take you. I'd be like, no, Samir, we're going on a run for exercise. He's like, oh no, it's very hot. Get in, Mr. Jeff. I'm like, no, no, it's a run. Like, that's what we're doing. (laughs) But he would take us to the restaurant. He would take us to the pool. He would take us to like, like everywhere. Samir would just show up constantly dogging us for uh, whatever it is that we needed. At some point, finally, in one of these interactions, he said, we walked out of the room or something and he, he mysteriously was there. And I'm like, Samir, I said, listen, we're okay. Um, you probably have work to do. And he looked at me like I was, like there was, it did not compute. Like he was totally, like, like I was crazy talk. He looked at me and he said, I told you, I'm your butler. Like that was his job for the time we were there to be fully devoted to our presence and what it is that we needed. It was so foreign to the Motel sex experience I usually have. So this idea is this holy thing that we talk about. When you see the scriptures calling us to be holy friends, it isn't just about being morally pure. It is like us being Samir-like devoted fully to God's will and God's purposes and God's way and God's needs for us. Like it's us saying, I am devoted to you. I am sold out for you. I am here for you all the time. I am your servant, God. Now that's a hard word, man, because we want God, if we stop and are honest, we want God to be our servant, We've come to God because we have needs. We've come to God because we want his love. We come to God because we need his comfort. We come to God because we need healing. And we come to God because we need a way forward. And we come to God because we need him to take away our fears. And all of that is true because he's our good, good father. But this text says you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, meaning you are a people set apart, solely devoted to accomplishing God's will. You follow him alone. That's who we are. I hope that's maybe a good word for you to go right. That's what I am. And that's who we are collectively as a church. When you look at Peter, he talks in first Peter, he talks all a bunch about holiness and Danny, Pastor Danny memorized one of the verses, Ben preached on it and, and, uh, and preached through that passage last week. Let me just, you know, read that verse again um, in chapter one, verse 14 and following as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in. Does anybody have their Bible in front of them and see the word? It says, listen, as obedient children do not conform any longer to the the evil desires you had when you lived in. What does it say there? In ignorance. Yes, Pat. I see that. Thank you. In ignorance, meaning, listen, before we knew Christ, the cornerstone, we didn't have the truth. And so we just lived according to what we felt. We just lived according to what we wanted to do. But now we are his. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and we are a nation, a holy people set apart to do his will. We're not ignorant about what we're supposed to do. We know the truth is that we're his and we follow him fully brick by brick, you and me, each of us, but also collectively, we are a holy people fully devoted to his purposes. And this is why we talk about following Christ. This is why we talk about every hour, every dollar, every word, every thought, every action, every day is devoted to being Jesus's servant. That's who we are. And I just want to remind you church, if you're dabbling in that, you're missing the beauty and the life that you were designed to have. It's, I'm yours fully. That's what holy and set apart means. It means much more than that. There's so much good stuff you can read about in your study Bible, but I'm out of time. So let me just do the fourth one. There are chosen people, reading it with me, verse nine. Chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation. And the last one, a people belonging to God or God's special possession. So we know he chose us, but don't forget this really, I don't know what's important kind of aspect of belonging. That we belong to him, that we're his special possession. And here's the special kind of idea around belonging. This is what it's getting at. We belong to him and he will never forsake us. That's what it's getting at. We'll always belong to him and he'll never leave us. He will never bail on us. He chose us to be in the family of God and dad is never bailing. And it takes a whole lifetime for some of us to get our head around that idea, especially if we had a dad who bailed or a dad who effectively bailed or was passive. I, I get that. We know that. We constantly are praying for one another's healing over the wounds that many of us received from worldly dads, imperfect dads, earthly dads, I mean, or, or worse, right? But this dad will never leave us. We're his treasured possession. We're his special possession. We belong to him. And we stand on that solid ground, no matter what happens around us, that he's present and that he's good. So no matter what comes our way, no matter how miraculously God is showing up and meeting us or not, we stand on that ground that God is our father and will never bail on us. We're his special possession. But God looks at Marin Covenant Church and goes, Oh, those are my people. That's my church. I mean, He's doing that with all of our friends and all of our churches around Marin, but it doesn't change how special we are. We're His, and He'll never leave us, whether it's in our church or whether it's our individual lives. And so, if God's showing up miraculously and meeting us, and we're like, Man, our problems are getting solved and our wounds are getting healed, and God is near and dear to us and close to us, we're like, Yeah, that's so amazing. When that happens, we're like, Yeah, because I'm His treasured possession. I'm a treasure. I'm a treasure. To God. And when He's not meeting those needs, not showing up, not so evident, and we're walking through a dark night of the soul or the valley of the shadow of death or a place of distance, and we're limping through life, even in those times, friends, at that point, we're able to stand on the rock that is He's good and His grace is sufficient for me, and He promises that. And so we wait faithfully. You see how important these concepts are about who we are? Because if we don't understand he's that we're his special possession, then we'll think when he's further away or those times when we're limping through or we're in the dark and we're waiting on God to show up with clarity, we'll be tempted to think that he's bailed and he hasn't. Are, is anybody right now wondering if God is not in their life because of what you're going through? I want to remind you that you're his treasured possession. And he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so we wait on the rock that is the cornerstone. So that's it friends. That's the four things that this text says. That's just one. That's like literally two lines in this 10 rich verses. It goes on to say, if that's you, if that's, if because that's who you guys are, a chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation a people belonging to God. It says so that you may declare his praises. You may declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. It's always rooted in, oh man, we've been rescued. Once you were not a people, the text says, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you've received mercy. And listen, everything has changed. You are the solid rock, the rock solid people of God built on the cornerstone. Oh, let's live that out fully for life at its fullest and to the glory of God. Let's worship the cornerstone Jesus now together as we conclude.